The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Hello, welcome in to the LSR podcast. Dustin Gauker, along with me, Adam Candy, Matt Brown is off working on his Twitter. He feels like he's been letting you down all this time, telling you that if you hate yourself, that you should follow him on Twitter. He's finally going on that self-improvement track, Dustin. He's going to do something about it. That's why we don't have him here for episode number 111 of the Legal Sports Report podcast. I'm, I'm excited to see how you improve a Twitter. I think improving a Twitter means you use it less, probably, but we'll see. We'll see. Yes, I mean, my, my personal choice for how to improve my Twitter would be to get rid of it entirely. Um, but, you know, that's not really the reality of the day, especially when we're trying to keep up with as much news as has been going on. Uh, there was a theory out there that the summer might be the slow season. And let me just tell you, that has not been the case for us uh, at Legal Sports Report and throughout the rest of the gaming world. That is for certain. Uh, we're going to talk about one state that we thought might get sports betting done this year that clearly is not going to happen. Uh, another state that's been in a holding pattern for quite a while that at least seems to be moving in the right direction. One partner changing significantly in Connecticut. Uh, but Dustin, uh, we'll start off where we've been located for the past few weeks in New York uh, because it still remains the talk of the industry as to what's going to happen with the RFA in New York. Our Matthew Waters took some information from the Nickel G's conference in Chicago. Uh, I thought that was very interesting talking about how high the revenue share might go in New York and what that might mean, not only for New York, but for other states. And so, you know, we kind of know that the floor is going to be about 50 percent. But, uh, you know, uh, Matthew has some people suggesting it could go much higher than that. Yeah, I know a bunch of you guys were out at the uh, National Council of Legislators from gaming states, which is always an interesting time, especially in the world of expansion of sports betting and and states learning from each other and, and what's going on and moving into other other verticals in sports betting. But, um, you know, we have people there talking as that we could see as much as 60 uh, percent of revenue share going to the state from whoever wins these bids from New York. And I'm sure you touched on uh, is. We, we now know what the process is starting to look like for, for this. So we're, we're looking at this and it's like, okay, yeah, floor of 50%. If you want to win the bid, how much higher do you need to go? Because this is obviously being competitively bid. We have everybody would like to be in New York, um, but you also want to make it profitable. So how high can you go on the revenue share to make this worth it? And, you know, uh, it sounds like some people probably think 55, 60%. There is still room 
to make money uh, or, you know, you just you value the market that much. You can't afford to not be in New York. So you have to overpay to get that market access. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, out of all of this. You know, every, I, I can't imagine there's anybody who's not in on this bidding in some way if they think they have a shot at it and uh, probably a bunch of people working together on bids and, you know, that economy of scale might make a 60% revenue share with the, with the state make more sense. And uh, we'll see. That's the really interesting part about this, Dustin, is you might see some bedfellows that you would not expect at all to try to make the economics of this work. Uh, I was actually just doing an interview uh, in New York today where they were saying to me, well, does this mean that only the major players can get involved? And I said, well, you know, the, the answer to that is who can afford to give up 50 to 60 percent of their revenue? It's not a startup who's in one other state, nor is that company going to score well uh, in the RFA because there's heavy weight in the RFA for experience and platform integrity and, and basically knowledge of running sports betting that seems to favor the larger of the companies. Uh, I find it fascinating when we hear about these potential super bids of DraftKings plus FanDuel plus BetMGM plus uh, it, it might be sort of a one-off for New York that doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. And like, yeah, you, you said it, those are, you know, one, two and three in that order, in know, in every state, basically, uh, if they are, they are working together, but if you're in New York, you also look at, if you look at a bid that's coming together from all of those, can you afford to not, you know, if that's the bid that they're offering, can you afford to not have the three biggest sports books in New York if you're trying to make this make the ridiculous amount of money that they're saying, which we, as we've said ad nauseum, they're not going to get there even with the, with the proper bid. So the, it's, it, it's fast. It is fascinating to see that we're going to see that we're seeing like these super bids and what we'll, like, are then our, our other small operators going to pull together to try to create one, one major operator. Who knows? It is, it, it is, it is going to be a wild time to see what this looks like. You know, and this is why we're talking about New York, because it's like a, it's a mystery box right now. We have really no clue what this is going to look like. And, you know, the success and, or failure of a New York sports betting market is going to depend on what these bids look like and, and who, who is involved and what New York decides to do uh, moving forward with their legal sports betting industry. And the other thing to keep in mind that, you know, we haven't mentioned recently, we mentioned plenty around the time of the passage of the budget is that the tribal issue is not entirely resolved. Uh, I mean, it's, in, you know, tribal participation is included in the RFA. You get extra weight uh, for a revenue sharing agreement with a tribal nation. That being said, we haven't necessarily resolved the concerns of tribes who might not be able to offer legal sports betting through their casinos because of the exclusivity zones that exist throughout, uh, largely throughout upstate New York. So, you know, nothing really new to report in that area, but that's also still looming out there as something that uh, could slow down launch. Yeah, and it's dissonant from everything else that's going on kind of around the country where they're figuring this out. Arizona, the biggest example of that where, you know, the, the tribes have you know got something in exchange for allowing a more open sports betting market. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of strange that New York's just kind of said, well, you know, I mean, they're, they can be involved, but there's no no God given right to do that. They're just. Here, they, they can be involved, but we'll see how it works out. And yeah, I wouldn't be happy if I were fire them there. They, you know, they, there's been, you know, we, we can get into the squabbling of New York and the tribes over gaming issues. It's been around for a while, but um, just dismissing it is, yeah, you know, uh, we have, we haven't talked about a lawsuit, but that's at least a possibility out there in the background that the tribes in New York say, Hey, wait a second, this isn't fair to us. And, and what would that look like? And I mostly bring it up to just remind people that, you know, we're all, 
we all are, are prisoners of the moment when it comes to keeping up with the legal sports betting industry in the United States and the rapid expansion we've seen over three and a half years. Uh, but keep in mind that, you know, this might be an issue from a few months ago, but it is still an issue that uh, is lingering out there when we discuss what's going on in New York. Uh, Dustin, next door in Connecticut, uh, another issue where uh, it seems that tribal and commercial participation has been fairly well worked out. And we see that uh, Mohegan has moved on from Camby. They've kept some of the revenue sharing that was in the original agreement, but they've chosen a new partner and it's not a big surprise. Yeah, they went with FanDuel as their sports betting partner. Uh, I think, you know, we can talk about the why, but I think it's very obvious you're partnering with the number one operator across the United States. Uh, this They have to compete with DraftKings right off the bat, which is the partner of uh, of the other casino in, in Connecticut, so you have to, so you have to really compete. Like Mohegan Sun is a good brand; it is a brand that's known in Connecticut. But them just trying to spin up their own sports book on Canby on a Canby platform is not going to be as successful uh, in the short term, at least, in, in, in competing with DraftKings. So this is really a no-brainer. Um, you know, it was going to be them or so, or one of the other big ones. You know, MGM uh, has not gotten along with the Connecticut casinos, uh, based, uh, based on their trying to get a casino in Connecticut downstate, uh, and their presence in Massachusetts. So maybe not a shock that MGM was probably not going to be in that. So yeah. And you know, they, they, you know, I think it's a shrewd move. Like you want, you want to compete right away. This is what you have to do. Uh, you know, Vandal probably paid a lot for that through you know, probably getting a, getting, giving them a pretty good deal for that access too. Uh, you know, we know Connecticut, one of the more affluent states. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people who live in New York work in or live in, or work in New York and live in Connecticut. Uh, high median income, so it's a small state, but a really important one. And when you're talking about cross sell with everything else, Massachusetts, which we're going to talk about, New York, it really makes sense to have, you know, be out there, be out there quickly with the best product, and and Mohegan saw that as as FanDuel partnering with them. Meanwhile, there is a third skin in Connecticut that will go through the lottery. And we've been playing this interesting sort of spin off of The Bachelor with this thing <laughs> where, you know, first we handed out uh, four or five roses to everybody who applied and said, you can come give us a presentation. <laughs> and then the selection has been made. Um, you know, the, the lottery was able to spend some time, I guess, in the fantasy suite with its favorite operators. And uh, here we are <laughs> with a selection having been made. But here's the thing. Uh, much like the Bachelor wrapping up production and then we have to wait months to find out what actually happened on the show, we still don't know who the partner is. Uh, the lottery decided that they were going to finish negotiation with that partner. Um, and Dustin, basically what we've been going through is sort of like a process of elimination in rumors for the last month or so, where obviously we know it's not DraftKings or FanDuel because of their <laughs> partnerships. And then it's sort of been, well, could it be MGM? Could it be Caesars? And we've sort of been, you know, at least rumor wise, eliminating them one by one. Yeah. Uh, and again, just like the New York process, you want if you're the lottery, you want somebody to come in day one and like like mohegan said you need somebody to come in day one and compete like that's not going to be a small operator i can't imagine it's like one of, like what you said one of these small operators only in one state you know maybe they give a lot of revenue but what's what's a what's a small sliver of 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 nothing nothing right so it's it's got to be a big it's got to be one of the big operators so you know uh, could it be a barstool i don't see a lottery partner with barstool penn national you know, uh, you know, uh, we've heard Caesars has been involved. Yeah, MGM would certainly make a sense. The only the only weirdness in Connecticut is you can't 
Uh, you're supposed to not use the brand of a land-based casino in Connecticut, if I understand it correctly. But we've seen in lots of lots of jurisdictions, people get around these little weird, weird regulations. So is like, would BetMGM be the land-based casino? I don't know. It's a it's an online property, right? So who knows? But you know, it has to be one of these large operators. Uh, I think I, you know, we we keep thinking that we're going to hear this soon, but it's, it's obviously drug on for a while. It can't possibly I mean. Uh, you know, I think we're at. The hay, a lot of the hay is in the barn now. We're we're getting close. I think Connecticut, out of all the states we've talked about and have talked about in, uh, on this podcast, like I think that's the closest to launch because we have a very easy system where we know three sports books. Uh, the tribes are going to run things. The Connecticut the lottery gets to to do get its own own thing spun up. And if you're just using another partner, like is it that hard to get spun up? So I think we're pretty close in Connecticut, but we obviously still need to know who this lottery provider is going to be. Yeah, and you make a great point that because of who the competition is, it has to be an operator that has a turnkey setup. It has to be someone who come in and have no potential technical flaws that would slow down the state's ability to generate money through the lottery or else why would they have gone that way in the first place? Uh, you mentioned the land-based issue. Yeah, it's it's certainly worth consideration. I mean, could they call the BetMGM app like Bet Jamie Fox? Could they put two T's on Bet and like change the brand a little bit? I don't know, but it's certainly going to be someone on the larger side. Um, we've basically been spending most of this podcast talking about the Northeast and we're just creeping our way up the Atlantic coast to Massachusetts, where we started out this session. And mind you, the Massachusetts session is basically endless. So, you know, we're not looking at a hard deadline anytime soon here. Um, but there were close to two dozen sports betting bills, and it seems that we have finally narrowed it down to a couple of vehicles in the House and the Senate. There are potentially some differences to work out, though. Yeah, I don't know about you. I get like, and well, I know you do. You get, I get updates on these bills in Massachusetts, and it's hard to keep up with. There's like, yeah. a, like every five minutes, I'm getting an update. Oh, this bill got changed or moving through this. But yeah, we're we're seeing uh, you know movement in the House. We're we're supposed to see. Uh, some some movement in the Senate in not too distant future. Uh, there are not exactly nobody seems to have agreed. We thought when this process was going to kind of restart here in the in the summer that we'd see kind of a homogenous approach, but not everybody is quite on the same page. We have differing bills. There's going to have to be some working out of this, whether it happens through amendments or through a conference committee or what have you. But but yeah, I think Massachusetts, you know, there's a lot going for Massachusetts. Like they they have to be seeing. The rest of the states around like everybody uh basically all their neighbors are moving towards sports betting right you're gonna have we've talked about connecticut new york uh rhode island already has it like you're just you like you're just behind if you're you know massachusetts fancies itself a, a gaming state and that it wants to be on the forefront of this stuff and you know if it doesn't get it done this year then you're you're again starting from way behind i've always you know we, we always you know DraftKings based in boston you think they could help push this across the finish line uh you have Win there as well with the with this casino. They constantly, they consistently want sports betting as well. Like you think this would, all, all the stars seem to be aligning, and they have plenty of time to get this done this year. But um, you know, don't have homogenous bills, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what how we're handicapping it or how you're handicapping it, but it seems like we're moving toward a world where Massachusetts could have sports betting next year. And I think next year is the key, Dustin. Right in terms of handicapping it, like next year could mean. By the Super Bowl next year could mean by next football season. Uh, and I think we're probably more likely toward next football season than we are toward this year's Super Bowl, just because this is a state that moves slowly. It has always moved slowly. And I don't think the fact that we have bills moving right now in late July 
uh, is going to allow for setting up a process that gets up and running by the Super Bowl. Maybe if things went quickly, if you expedited for March Madness, maybe, but that would be an aggressive timeline as well. It's a state that moves slowly, but as we talked about, uh, the neighbors are moving and it's kind of the same situation that Ohio is going to find itself in here soon, where it is surrounded by legal sports betting states and it's losing revenue to those states. And much like you mentioned with Connecticut, there's a lot of money in Massachusetts as well. And so they don't want to see that going over the borders. So we're tracking what's happening there in, in Massachusetts, as Dustin mentioned, uh, there has been movement this week and, and some of the key differences, I'd say the biggest difference right now is the tax rate on mobile. Uh, you're looking at one bill at 15%, one bill at 25%. Uh, it sounds big. I don't think that's insurmountable in any way. It's not like one side is saying we only want 8% and the other one is, you know, Cuomo banging the table for 60%. Like <laughs> there, there's common ground to be found uh, when it comes to that. There's some differences in terms of in-state college betting and, and so on. But none of those differences appear to be insurmountable if we are serious about getting something done in Massachusetts, uh, staying up in the greater Northeast area, Dustin, um, say this much for Maine. They find creative ways to screw up legal sports betting in their state. Uh, if it wasn't Governor Mills using the weird veto process to delay it months last time and then ultimately issue a weird statement about how she didn't want to start on the slippery slope toward betting on spelling bees, uh, now it is a dispute over whether licenses should be tethered to casinos that appears to have submarined Maine for this year. Yeah, I know we, we you and I both know a lot about the legislative processes that we probably wish we didn't know. But the fact <laughs> that this one, this one seemed like it was going to the governor and then it got like because of the vagaries of how Maine's legislature worked, it didn't actually get there. It got stuck. Um, yeah, like there's people there's a the bill sponsor doesn't want it to be tethered to casinos this is actually kind of wild because this is what this is basically how it gets done everywhere else other than a few few key places like uh like a tennessee and uh wyoming where it's not tethered to any kind of casino so um you know senator one of the senators there said doesn't want it doesn't want it to be tethered wants it to be a, a more uh open market um and that you know that's a good thing actually to have a you know have a competitive market for sports betting as we talk about all the time on this podcast so um, yeah, we're down. We, you know, Maine was looking bad, then quickly looked good, and now back to it's dead now. Um, as as far as we know, I don't think there's I don't think there's any ways to revive this from the dead. So we're looking at next year, uh, and you know, with all the problems, uh, we, yeah, we had we had the last year we missed it too. So who knows what happens next year? Maybe Maine gets done next year. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, we'll be following following well behind the rest of the the, the uh, New England states now. You know, Dustin, it's a good thing we know a person or two up there because the whole question of is it on its way to the governor uh, and then we find it uh, and I'm using the exact terminology here laying on the appropriations table um, because <laughs> these certain bills have to go through another round of consideration. Um, again, uh, we do a pretty thorough job of following legislative processes throughout the country. And this one left us scratching our heads a little bit trying to figure out exactly how it was going to go in Maine. The interesting thing about Senator uh, Lucchini that you mentioned, and this was his bill, and then his bill was amended to include the tethering over his objections. And then he basically worked against his own bill uh, from what we hear after it passed in a form that he didn't like. And this really set up as a battle between Penn National uh, and some others. And Penn National had some allies on that side of trying to get things tethered to casinos and in the end, nobody's going to win here because it's another year 
that the state falls behind. Again, we just talked about the fact New Hampshire has had its DraftKings monopoly for a few years. Uh, Massachusetts appears to be moving in the right direction. Connecticut certainly is on its way to launch. So uh, Maine behind for yet another year. So um, who knows? I, I don't know what sort of creative ways they can come up to uh, with to not have it happen again next year. We are also in the middle of prime season, Dustin, for revenue reports. Uh, we feel like they're dropping, you know, one an hour uh, the way they're coming out right now. Anything interesting in terms of the major states that you saw? We saw New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania and some others over the last week. I was I mean, I'm only disappointed that Wyoming hadn't yet launched by the time I was in Wyoming. <laughs> my, my vacation was entirely through states without without sports betting through Utah Wyoming and Idaho sat so sad pandas <laughs> for me that I could not gamble and, and help Wyoming to get off to a good start with its with its sports betting. But um, and two, we're I mean to preface this, we're also getting into the dog days of, of sports betting. This is I mean July is going to literally you know July and then into August you know is going to be these are the worst months. We we reiterate that, but like there is nothing going on. There is baseball. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more interest in the Olympics now. Uh, you know, I've, I've been surprised at how, like this time around, how many markets there are for, for the Olympics. Like I know BetMGM has put out like markets for just about everything Olympics. Now you could bet on gold medals for just about any event that you wanted to, but that's the preface of this. Like we're not seeing uh, a ton of, or we're not going to see a ton of action. That being said, you know, we saw, we're seeing, um, not huge, ju- uh, the thing that's interesting to me is we're not seeing a huge fall off, um, to a lot of these states we're seeing pretty incremental drops in handle we even saw um, some, some like in new jersey saw a uh, revenue climbed uh you know thanks to a huge hold lots of parlays uh, 71 million off on 767 million dollars in handle in new jersey that's an interesting thing um so like people are you know finding ways to bet interestingly i guess and maybe that means suboptimally because they're losing more uh in, in these summer months just looking for something to bet but uh, again, we're talking about June, which is basically just hockey playoffs, baseball, uh, and NBA playoffs, and we're hit, we're hitting numbers that Nevada doesn't hit in NFL season, right? So that's 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 the interesting takeaway uh, from that. You know, Pennsylvania, same thing, small dip, uh, four hundred twenty million dollars on handle month on month, which is you know again small, like that doesn't sound great, but like just in these months, not huge, um, but saw and still saw uh, revenue. Still doing well, jump uh, actually increasing to forty-two million in Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, I mean the 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 and we saw again a little bit uh, Michigan sports betting, which is the new market. Uh, this cool is not seeing a huge increase either, even though it's a maturing market. So it's it is just interesting to see how these things how things work. We're again we're going to see June was a little bit more action than July and August. So how how sturdy are these markets through these, and how much is just people like we're just going to be ramping up for what could be or not could be. Will absolutely be some absolutely huge numbers in terms of handle and revenue once the NFL season starts in September. To piggyback on on a point you were making there about the hold and parlays, we saw multiple states with revenue jumps and a lot of it based on parlays. And I just want to you know throw in some anecdotal experience that I've had this summer. Now that we're back to traveling at least a little bit, um, you know. I've talked many times about the fact that Nevada's apps are different than everyone else's. So I don't see a lot of what's out there on a day to day basis beyond what other people who live in these states are are telling us. And I traveled to Colorado. I traveled to Indiana. I traveled to Illinois and, you know, went and signed up for apps and and turned on the notifications just to see what I would get. And 
again, not to sound like I've been living under a rock. We hear these stories from people. I was still blown away by the amount of push into parlays that I was getting from the notifications, from the offers in the app. Um, it really is remarkable uh, just how much effort is being put into getting people into these bets. And again, some of them include uh, free money for betting on a parlay. And so you are getting some value down the line if you bet a certain amount. But at the same time, we know uh, parlays hold money for sportsbooks, period. Like no one's going to win betting parlays over time unless you are the sharpest of sharp bettors. And so, uh, you know, it, it, there's going to be there's going to be some discussion to be had uh, about the amount of push into parlays that that is going on uh, as we develop this market a little bit more. And I just was really interested to see it with my own eyes, uh, you know, in a few different legal sports betting states I've been to over the last couple of months. Yeah, there's there's a line that could be being crossed, I think, if you're trying to push people too much into it. Yeah, I mean, we know and the sportsbooks know this is where they make the money. People don't. Uh, but people are also you know, the casual sports better. You know, we get a lot of the people talking about how much people want to win and be sharp betters. People want big scores like you, you, like you get to do you can do the side. You can do your minus 110 bets. You can win here and there. You're, you can grind out a lot. People like the thrill. This is why people, this is why DFS succeeded because you have the thrill of this possibility of maybe I'll win a million dollars. You put a $5 parlay and you know, you see the marketing from all the Twitter accounts on sports books. That's what, that's what people, that's, that's what people gets people excited. Now there's, there's a line to be crossed in responsible gambling and, and over advertising this stuff. But this is also kind of what people want. They want the, they're, they're, they're thrill Get why people play the lottery too. You know, most people know you're not going to win the lottery, right? You're not going to win, uh, but maybe fewer people in, in this nascent market really know they're not going to win these parlays more often than not. So, but it is, this is just what casual bettors want to some extent. They want the thrill of trying to get a big score off of a small amount of money. And you know, that's, that's also going to make the sportsbooks money. Um, so I don't know where I'm going all this, but it is, it is an interesting problem, uh, you know, that, that you're going to see. And it is that a part, larger part the responsible gambling and all of this, you know, see people, if we're constantly pushing people to parlays, is that a bad thing for the ecosystem? Is it a bad thing overall? Probably, but it also, it is, it, it also addresses kind of what people want here in America. I think is that, that chasing of the big score. Yeah. And there, there is obviously fragmentation in the market to, to be addressed here, right? There, there are casual folks who do want to treat it like the lottery, who want to come and throw in five or $10 on a 10 leg parlay and, and hope it comes through because they've seen it advertised, you know, on social media or elsewhere. And look, could it hit? Sure. It could hit, uh, you know, but you need to understand what your odds are, uh, you know, of being able to, to score on one of those. It's not very likely. And as long as you understand that going in, you're treating it more like an entertainment product then absolutely. It's right. more that, you know, I think the question eventually could be more around how hard the push is right how and and which customers are being pushed into them right uh you know are there customers who have shown a proclivity for betting more etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know it just just general discussion thoughts that i know we'll be talking about over uh the next few years in in this market because as much as as much as we have filled up 111 episodes of this podcast, we, uh, you and I both know we've just started to scratch the surface of our, the discussions that we're going to be having about legal U.S. sports betting over the coming years. No doubt, and yeah, it's the. the I mean, again, the. Uh, I think you're right on the education part. Like people know going to DFS contests, know they're probably not going to win. People going to lottery, know they're probably going to win. Do they know that they're going to that they're losing more often than not on these parlays? Maybe not. I think that's the 
that's the difference, and that's where you get into this gray, this gray area. Like, how much should you pushing them? How like how much is responsible? Again, you're 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 you got you got lots of people. You got states partnering with them. You got sports teams pay, partnering with them. Is like what is the social cost? There's there are conversations to be had that I don't think that nobody's really had, or people have had, but not it hasn't been brought to the forefront. And I think at some point, and your experience being being that again, we like Matt and uh, I know Matt and his other venues will. We'll tell you not to bet parlays until, until the cows come home. Uh, but again, people want it, and they also want. But do, should, are they to- fully educated on what they should be doing and, and understand that this is shot taking and not something that's a that's a really a viable strategy for you long term? Yeah, and uh, we will continue to to follow those issues and to report on what we see at Legal Sports Report. Dot com. Uh, you can follow me at Adam Candy. That's two E's and no Y's. Matt likes to say. You can find Dustin at Dustin Gauker. No, not Gorker. Gauker <laughs> on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can find our writers at Brad Allen NFL at Matthew Waters and at Pat Evans. Uh, finishing up with some quick updates around the country, uh, South Dakota and Maryland, two states that. Uh, legalized at the ballot in 2020 have both moved their rules and regulations along. They're both on track for launch this year. Maryland could be a really interesting market, up to 60 available licenses. Uh, Some uh, information that was added into that language in the bill to include uh, minority participation at a higher level than in other states. Uh, South Dakota, of course, will be in person just at Deadwood. We saw a couple of market access partnerships announced for Arizona, uh, we are nearly up to half of the licenses uh, potentially accounted for in Arizona, just in terms of market access agreements. That doesn't mean that those are necessarily licenses that uh, have been approved. Of course, we've just barely begun the process there in Arizona as we move the rulemaking along. Um, and we did have some extra regulation information put out this week about what happens if there are more applications than the 20 available licenses that are out there. We have information about that at Legal Sports Report, and of course, follow on Twitter as well at LSP Report. Subscribe, rate, review. Five stars is great. Four stars we can live with. Three stars, maybe just send one of us a message first and see what we can do better for you because we're willing to work on it. We, we're, we're not perfect here. Um, if the three stars is because Matt's not here, don't worry. Matt will be back soon, and we will have many more episodes of the LSR podcast with our friend at Matt Brown M2. Follow him if you love yourself. For Dustin, I'm Adam. Talk to you next week. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. 
Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?